Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. I'm going to read our text this morning from Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Well, good morning. Uh, <laughs> welcome to church and you hear a scripture about judgment. Maybe not the most appealing first entry, but if this is your first time at City Collective, welcome. We're really glad that you're able to be here with us. Uh, my name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective and we say this every week, wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, maybe you have held faith, but you're feeling like life is a little bit overwhelming. We hope that this is a space that can be safe and welcoming and full of life for you uh, to discover who Jesus is. We're in this series called The Upside Down Kingdom, talking through Jesus' most famous sermon, his Sermon on the Mount. And these previous weeks, we've looked at these different ideas of, of prayer, of treasure, of worry, and these ideas that kind of point to our heart. But now here at the beginning of chapter 7, we, we see a transition from this attention to our interior spiritual life to what we are doing with it. How it impacts the way that we live and the actions. And all of it does get talked about previously, but there is a specificity that is around this idea of, of judgment. It's not everyone's favorite topic. To be honest, it's not my favorite topic. If, you, if this was just like pick your sermon, this isn't in the top five. Uh, but we're, this is where we are in the text. And if Jesus is talking about it, I believe it's something for us to talk about. If you grew up in church or not, it's likely that you will have heard phrases associated with Christianity around the idea of judging others. Perhaps it's one of the things that the church, unfortunately, is most infamous for. And most certainly, it's one of the most quoted themes by those who don't even maybe know the Bible or who have re haven't read it or engaged in a church environment. This idea has seemed to have found its way into most people's thoughts. In 1996, Tupac released his album, All Eyes on Me, simultaneously popularizing a phrase that we might know off the top of our heads, only God can judge me. So if you don't know Tupac, but you know the phrase, you know a little bit of Tupac. And the song, it, it captured the imagination of its Western audience, conveying a sense of defiance and refusal to be judged by society. And this, this idea of only God can judge me has raged, ranged from Justin Bieber posting an Instagram post in 2013 to Marilyn Manson saying it time and time again. All of it is this done in the face of media scrutiny and rejecting any external judgment. 
It's become a popular choice for, for tattoos, and it shows up on clothing. And funny enough, I would say that's not even really a, a Christian phrase. We don't see Jesus say, only God can judge me. But it is tied to this idea that ultimate judgment of one's actions is reserved for a divine and this, this religious idea has become a common expression of personal belief in one's autonomy, of religion, of external judgment, and unfortunately it's become one of the things that I think has fed our individualistic culture. Like I said, if church is a new experience or it's the first time, I imagine you weren't hoping we were talking about judgment. Yet here we are in his most famous sermon where he's providing this manifesto of what it is to live a new way in a new kingdom. And it would seem that this layer of, of judging others is important. Jesus takes time to specifically talk about it. And he says really plainly, do not judge. It's this judge is this simple idea of describing multiple options and choosing one. So this is important, important to note. This is where Jesus begins with this phrase, do not judge. It starts there, but we have to realize it doesn't stop there. Stopping there has often been the issue in making it one of the more misunderstood statements in the ministry of Jesus. Because as he continues to talk, we discover that there's more to it. Now here's the thing. We, we could hear the statement from Jesus, do not judge. We can listen to Tupac, only God can judge me. And we can be on our way. We can continue with life. But if we're being honest, it's not that simple. Culturally, we come to think or, or hope perhaps that Jesus commanded us to be universal in our acceptance of any lifestyle or any teaching, but do we honestly believe that we can live well with that as a broad stroke of how we approach life? Because let's be honest, what, what do we do with horrific crimes and brutalities? What do we do with injustices and the mistreatment of people and people groups? What do we do when someone speaks in such a manner to inflict pain? Are we suddenly okay with just letting that slide and saying, well, God will judge them? Jesus doesn't think so. And the Bible doesn't offer that. Just a little bit later in this sermon in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 16, Jesus commanded us to know ourselves and others by the fruit of their life. There's element of judgment and assessment in that statement. In John 7, 24, it says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Instead judge correctly. This isn't just a broad stroke to judge, but if you're going to judge, it needs to be done with wisdom. It needs to be done with care. It's a call for wisdom to be part of the process of judgment. Therefore, judgment is happening. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So there is a casting of judgment in this scenario, recognizing that something has gone astray, but recognize the motivation, the posture is perhaps different than the way that we experience and think about judgment. There's a gentleness to it. And then in Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. 
defend the rights of the poor and needy. To judge something as unjust, as unjust is in fact rightly. It's the correct way to do it. It's to be do, it, do it fairly and with people in mind. In the wrong situations, with the wrong motivations, to not judge someone can actually become active participation in what is wrong. We become placating in the way that we, appreci- uh, we approach things. We avoid it. We, we believe ourselves to be innocent bystanders to injustices, but yet we're participants simply in our lack of dissent, our lack of action, our lack of response, and our lack of judgment. So Jesus definitely says, do not judge. But there is a wider breadth of understanding that we need to continue to read and understand because to leave it at that is to not catch the heart of what Jesus is leading us towards. Because that's even in an outward focus, right? To, to judge others, others is to look beyond ourselves. But there's an element of thinking through this idea of judgment for how it impacts us as individuals. I'm not... This, this isn't a sermon about ethical dilemmas, but there is a need for accountability in our lives. And to be accountable is to hold ourselves to judgment. If the work of God's formation in us is the process of us being formed into the image of Jesus... Obviously, it is going to take place at the points where we are not yet formed into that image. This means that one of the first dynamics of holistic spiritual formation will be judgment. It will be confrontation. And it's going to be through some channel, whether it's scripture, whether it's some space in worship, a word of proclamation, the agency of a, of a, of a brother or a sister in Christ, the agency of an unbeliever. But the spirit comes and it provokes something within us to shape us, to form us, to move us to a place that we might become more like Jesus. And judgment is what it can often feel like. All this to say, Jesus is most certainly saying, do not judge. But there's more to the story. Robert Mulholland says that probing will probably always be confrontational. And it will always be a challenge and a call to us to come out of our brokenness into wholeness in Christ. But it will also be a costly call because that brokenness is who we are. This is really difficult. And if we're we're being honest and candid in our evaluation of how we maybe have done it as individuals or how the church has approached it throughout history, we have not, we've not walked this line very well. Judgment has become something else than what Jesus was actually desiring in this kind of conversation. So no wonder he has to lead with this posture of, hold on, don't judge others. We got to talk about what's going on within you first. So in our passage, we're going to look at this process, this progression of three different ideas, starting off with this danger of judgment and how it reveals the issue. Verse 1, it says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think we can all agree that there is a 
there's a manner in which humanity treats one another that is not right. And this call within the Sermon of the Mount is acknowledging the fact that judgment is a pathway by which we treat one another horribly. And Jesus is calling us to an inward assessment. And he says, the measure you use will be returned. According to the teaching of some rabbis in Jesus' time, God had two measures that he used to judge people. One was a measure of justice and one was a measure of mercy. And whichever measure you choose is the one that you want God to use with you. Now here's the beauty of the idea of mercy and justice. Within the way of Jesus, there is a beautifully intertwined rhythm in which it takes place. Justice actions are needing to be mercy motivated. It has to be something that works in and through each other. To together they take place. But so often when we consider the idea of judgment, we're more concerned about saying the right thing than doing the right thing. We're more concerned about the things that we say with the gravitas that we want around than the people that we're trying to restore through it. There is a, a, a tension that comes up again. Because the way that we respond to others is often not the way that we would want ourselves to be responded to. There is something within us that creates this posture of arrogance towards others and an ignorance towards ourselves. Jesus recognizes this and he wants us to understand that the real issue at hand is that the measure you dish out on others is nowhere near the measure that you show to yourself. That our qualifications of an issue justify the severity of an action. And this becomes markedly different when applied to ourselves. Because here's the thing. Whether you think so or not, we are all judgmental. Even if you feel like you're not judgmental and then you look at people who are judgmental and you're saying that they are judgmental, you're judgmental. (laughs) It's a cycle. It's a circle. Jesus isn't even just saying in someone's behavior, weighing whether or not a decision is along the same lines of our moral compass or anything like that. Jesus is talking about the way that we move towards others in a way that actually dehumanizes them. We identify people as their action rather than as a person. And this is so much of what Jesus is criticizing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's criticizing the ways in which we lack this ability to love generously as we are loved by him. And the ways that we we don't know how to show love is we look at people and we don't see human complexity. We don't look at people with the dignity that they're offered as being made in the image of God. And rather we define people by their choice or by their behavior that we disagree with. And an arrogance rises up within us. We can almost think of it as a formula that arrogance towards others plus ignorance towards ourselves equals bad judgment. We are so focused on being right In those situations rather than pursuing righteousness which is right relationship both with God and with others and then when we have something come to the surface because we all have areas in our life that are lacking there's shortcomings in them 
What happens? Well, we have a litany of reasons why that thing has taken place. We see our own humanity. And we actually reject the assumptions of others with an explanation. And we fill in the gaps of maybe the judgment that's being bestowed on us with all of the different motives that we're carrying. That it's a righteous motive. It's a difficult time of life. There's so much going on within us. Did you know that there was a study in the UK that actually tried to validate how much control we have in our life? And they came to the conclusion that we actually hold 15% of the actual control that we think we do in our life. That alone should invite grace and mercy into the way that we treat one another. But when we look at ourselves, we have far more generosity than we look at others. Have you ever been judged unfairly? Have you ever made, had people make an assumption about your character based on something that you did and didn't do or didn't want to do? Jesus is saying in this opening refrain, don't look at my creation and stop seeing me. How we look at people matters. An example of an unjust judgment was the disciples' condemnation of the woman who came to, the, to anoint the feet of Jesus with oil. In Matthew 26, verses 6 to 13, they thought that she was wasting something of value, but Jesus said that she had done a good work that would always be remembered. They had a rash, harsh, unjust judgment that they, dis, that they put upon her because they didn't see her. They saw the action and they made a judgment instantly and they didn't see the beauty of the individual that Jesus saw. John Stott, he says that we need to be as critical of ourselves as we often are of others and as generous to others as we always are to ourselves. So what are the moments in which we break this command, do not judge? Well, we break this command when we think the worst of others instead of the best. When we only speak to others about their faults. When we judge an entire life only by its worst moments. When we judge the hidden motives of others. We make assumptions about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Or when we judge others without considering ourselves in the same circumstances. It's common to judge others by one standard and ourselves by another. Because judgment is often a posture that is more generous towards ourselves than them. And this is what takes us into the second idea. Jesus' metaphor that he gives to us. Where we get to this idea of hypocrisy. And if the church isn't known about judgment, it's most certainly had a hint of hypocrisy seep into its history. And Jesus, in this metaphor, very succinctly wants us to, to understand that hypocrisy is not his way. In verse 3, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? The figures of a speck and a plank, they're, they're real figures, sure, but they're, they're meant to be used to a degree humorously. Though there might be a literal speck in your brother's eye, I'm assuming that majority of us haven't had a plank in our own. Jesus is speaking in, in a way that's meant to be captivating the attention of the listener so that they might understand the difference between what we see in others versus what we ignore in ourselves. 
And he presents this to guard our hearts against the hypocrisy that might seep in. He uses these exaggerated humorous pictures. Jesus says this, and then in real time, in John chapter 8, there's this moment where Jesus has brought a woman who is accused of adultery, and then in front of those who were making the accusation, he says, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Jesus didn't say, just say these things. He lived these things. And he indicates that the one with the plank in their own eye would not immediately be aware of it. Because what is happening when you've got a plank in your own eye? Well, you're going to often be blind to its obvious fault. Our language is, it's a blind spot. We're living life with this ongoing blind spot. And so we can't even see for ourselves the areas in our hearts and within our lives that need to be healed and restored and, and repented from and brought to a place of confession that makes us more like Jesus. We're blind to an obvious fault. Within the Old Testament, there's a story that talks of King David, and he's, he's entered into this, uh, this relationship that was adulterous. And the prophet Nathan knew of this relationship, came to his, his throne, came to his court, and he told King David a story of a man who was unjustly stolen from and who, who, was, who killed another man's lamb. King David hears this story, rises up in anger, and actually demands that justice be laid out for that man. And the prophet said to him, well, you are that man. David so quickly condemned the individual, but was blind to his own sin, which was much greater. Jesus' whole point of his metaphor is this. Sin has a way of distorting our vision so we minimize our problems and maximize the issues of others. We've got this plank in our eye that we can't even see what's going on within us. And he wants us to assume a couple of things. He wants us to assume that my own sin and my own issues are more serious and grievous than the person that I'm, that I'm noticing. Now, Catch this. This is not meant to lead us to a place of self-loathing or self-deprecation or self-hatred. This is just a commitment to honest self-reflection and self-evaluation instead of assuming a position of superiority because that's what judgment is. And Jesus is saying, until you are engaging in this practice of evaluating your own heart, seeing the plank in your own eye, trying to name and recognize the blind spots, you shouldn't be judging people. Because you don't see clearly enough to judge them. That the work should be happening internally before you consider anything externally. This is a reminder of what the gospel is. That the gospel points us inward to repentance, not outward to critique. So if we as a church are becoming like Jesus, we're becoming a community that is increasingly humble. That is increasingly self-aware of our shortcomings and our sin. Increasingly aware of the unconditional love and the generous nature of God. And increasingly generous in our treatment of one another and willingness to be held accountable. This is what it is to live in the kingdom that Jesus is presenting. Jesus didn't say this though. And we have to see the whole picture. 
do not judge. But he doesn't say that it's wrong for us to help our brother with the speck in his eye. It's a good thing to help your brother with his speck, but not before dealing with the plank in your own eye. We, we sometimes exist in this black and white universe. Jesus is saying, don't judge. Therefore, I shouldn't even pay attention to a speck in another eye. I got to just be thinking about myself at all times. And suddenly this action and this practice that is meant to lead us towards a place of righteousness and right relationship actually becomes an excuse for in, uh, an individualistic mindset and selfish responses. There's way more nuance in the language of Jesus. Look inward. Consider where repentance needs to take place. And when you have done so, being led by the Spirit of God and from the grace that you have received, consider maybe a speck in your brother's eye that you can help them find healing with. You notice how many times in history or in stories in media that someone who is railing on a particular issue and is coming across as judgmental actually is functioning within that area of struggle themselves. It's an unfortunate byproduct of our humanity that when we have not dealt with that which is broken and needing repair within us, we are often quick to place judgment on others who are experiencing that same pain. And they get tenfold, hundredfold of the judgment that we would never want for ourselves. Jesus doesn't want us to be hypocrites. He wants us to be witnesses. A hypocrite chooses justice, a judgment, before repentance. But a witness experiences the power of repentance and invites others into that place of healing as well. And that takes us to the, the final portion of, of the text. And if you've read it before, or you even heard it just now, you are not alone if you're like, what the heck are we talking about? It's one of the most uh, challenged and queried portions of scripture. There's like nine or ten opinions that exist on what exactly is being said. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It's interesting. After Jesus warned the listeners of judgmental attitudes and being self-blind, Jesus reminds us that he does not mean to imply that the people of his kingdom should suspend all discernment. They must discern that there are some good, precious things that need to be fought for, advocated for, protected in conversation, in, in relationship. We, we might even think of it this way, that Jesus means don't be judgmental, but don't, don't throw it all discernment either. The dogs and the swine here are often understood as those who are hostile to the kingdom of God. 
And remember, when Jesus is talking about this upside-down kingdom, he's talking about this kingdom of God that's breaking into the world, a new way of being, a new way of living. And so he's saying that there are those who are going to hear even this idea of do not judge, and they're going to resist it. And for some of them, they are not ready to receive even the pearl that is the kingdom of God for themselves. And so we need to operate with the sense of discernment. There's a lot of different interpretations it can go down. But I want you to hear it like this, that there is a parable being told. And the idea that is being left for us, that we are called to have discernment. And it's encouraging us to prepare our hearts so that we can receive and interact with those who seem ready to receive as well. Discernment of action to support someone in their life is different than judgment of someone to label them. Right? Judgment places labels. This is who you are. This is what you've done. So this is what I know you as. Discernment born from a place of inward reflection and repentance says, I know who God is. I know what he's done. I know what is done for me. So I want to see within your story the same revelation of hope that I found in mine. So I have a willingness to call out that which is the speck in your own eye because I have recognized the plank in mine. But I'm going to do so with a heart that desires the generosity of God's love experienced by you because it has been experienced by me. Judgment places labels. Discernment sees hope. Desires hope. Looks for hope around every conversation and every corner. And how does discernment begin? It begins by listening. Often the thing that gets lost in our postures of judgment is an inability to listen. This is both within our experience today and within the experience of Jesus' ministry. In John chapter 7, verse 51, Nicodemus is sitting with Jesus and he says, According to our law, we cannot condemn people before hearing them. And finding out what they've done. It's hard to be judgmental when you're trying to listen to someone with compassion, honesty, sincerity, and fairness. The, the, the kingdom of God, the Sermon on the Mount, is reflected upon in a considerable measure. I'd say about 75% of James is committed to this idea of evaluating the Sermon on the Mount in real life time. And James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we have flipped the script, it seems. What does our judge and judgment often look like? Well, it looks angry. It's most certainly loud, and it is absent of listening. Jesus is saying, listen before you judge. Because when we don't create space for listening and the judgment that we are holding, we're demonstrating that our priority is more about what we have to say than justice being done or the person being made whole. Some of us have confused our posture of criticism to be a gift of discernment. And just because you're right, even objectively, doesn't mean you need to say it in the way that you did. 
Discernment is not always, what do I say? Discernment more often is, how do I say it? And the, the honest truth of it is, it's hard because it is emotional, often riddled with experience, carrying a deeper weight for us than maybe we're communicating in our words. And so we need discernment that is not based in our own strength, but is found in intimacy and relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being given to us is not just to empower our witness in the words of evangelism so a world might know Jesus. It's to empower our lives to become shaped and to mirror who Jesus is. When Jesus is, is issuing or distributing words of judgment, it is often towards the judgmental Christian leaders or Jewish leaders at the time. And when he came across those who we would be more likely to issued judgment towards, he always had a position that communicated grace and hope, but would not ask them to remain where they are, but ask them to move towards a place that is better than they could have ever imagined. We need to learn this way. Because what does our way produce? It produces division. It produces pain and hurts. It often devalidates even truthful words. It breaks apart families. It hurts our friends. It, it makes our, our, our society look at Christianity and see hypocrisy instead of seeing grace and love. Jesus wants more than what we are experiencing right now in our relationship with others. He wants us to be able to look at one another and call out the very best but he wants us to do it in a way that looks like him. With discernment that begins with listening. How many times have you judged someone without listening to their story first? When you feel like you have a judgment to, do, to give out, I would invite you to take a breath. And do to others as you would have them do to you. Listen in love. Let the spirit begin to discern within you. Is this even the right time to make this statement? Am I in a right emotional, mental space? Communicate in a way that reflective of who Jesus is. And if not, Jesus is saying, do not judge. Jesus ends this teaching by encouraging us to actually move towards each other, but only after we've done some serious self-reflection and self-examination. Worship team, you can join me at the front. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known as someone who speaks in a judgmental way. But simultaneously, I don't want to be known as someone that is absent in the relationships in my life. It's a two-sided coin. And so often, we, we leak one way or the other. And the truth of it is that both sides of it, 
I'm going to say whatever's on my mind. I'm going to worry only about myself. Both sides of it are not reflective of the way of Jesus. They're reflective of the way of me. It's, it's selfish in nature. It's an avoidance of conflict or it's a distribution of personal vendettas. Whereas Jesus is saying, do you see people and do you see them as my creation? Do you see people and do you see that I love them unconditionally in the same way that I've shown you love and generosity? I want to show them love and generosity and I want to do it through you. Are you in relationship with me so that I can help discern and pay attention? And just like we need to be listening to others in our moments of conflict, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. We need a sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit is saying in those moments of how we're saying things, of what we're saying, and when we're saying it. We need the Holy Spirit in order for our judgment to produce life and not death. Each and every day, we are all judged. We're judged by the face that we look back in the mirror. We're judged by the faces of people we love. We're judged by the faces of the people that we don't love. We're judged by the roads that we go down and the roads that we don't. Now imagine a scenario where every secret, every detail of your life is known. And then imagine that the response that is shown to you is overwhelming love and kindness. The New Testament proclaims that there is an unforeseeable time in the future where God will ring down the final curtain on history and there will come a day on which all other days and all other judgments upon us and judgments we bestowed will be under the judgment of Jesus. The judge will be Christ. And that can feel daunting and intimidating. But his judgment is different than ours because he's the one who judges us finally and loves us most fully. He sees you and I with terrible clarity. He knows every bit of our being and yet his love for you remains. His mercy for you is unending. Christ's love so wishes our flourishing that it is ruthless against everything in us that diminishes our humanity. He wants that for others and he wants that for you, that you would be truly human, loved without question, abounding in his grace and his goodness, and able to be used for the ways of his kingdom to bring that change, that hope, that possibility into the lives of those around us begins with that place of self-reflection and repentance. And that's where we begin as a church. This is not a call. Go and judge people this week. Just ask the Holy Spirit every once in a while. This is a call to, can we examine our own hearts? Can we examine the planks that are within our own eyes so that we can name the blind spots, have clarity, and see a vision for the world that is 
filled with the goodness of the kingdom of God that Jesus wants for you and for me and for the person that you feel is falling short, he wants that for them too. For the person that you've given up on, he wants that for them too. He wants freedom for all of us together and he does not distinguish because of a minimal change in love from person to person. His love never changes and it is unending and his judgment is from that place of love therefore mercy is behind every action can we find that posture can we find that way can our hearts be transformed into that image because then his church our church won't be known for judgment or hypocrisy but will be known for standing in the gap for people for showing up when it's hard for being self-aware and self-reflective, but not in a way that is about me and myself, but it's about my neighbor, it's about my city, it's about my church, it's about all people coming to know who Jesus is by the way of Jesus. You don't have to live like someone else for them to know who Jesus is. You don't have to live like the world to convince them that Jesus is cool or, or able to be relevant in this time. Live like Jesus and Jesus will show up. Don't make an excuse for your judgment because of the emotions you've carried or you've seen it done a certain way. But unload that burden. Find rest in his kingdom goodness. He wants it for us so badly. I want it for us so badly that our words would be filled with his generosity and mercy. And that we would be a people who would stand in the gap for our friends. That we've named our blind spots. That we see the speck and we move towards a better future together. some practical things to consider <laughs> in the way that we judge. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Figured I had to get it sometime. Check your heart. Self-examine. Repent. Be aware of where your blind spot is. And if you feel like you're moving towards critical judgment of others too quickly, ask this, pray this prayer, Holy Spirit, arrest my heart and my mind and renew it with your grace first. Measure towards others generously and mercifully. Extend generosity and mercy in a measure that's greater than you long for yourself. I'm not saying just this broad idea of tolerance. I'm saying loving kindness and commit to the way of discernment. Seek wisdom, ask questions, become a good listener, both to others and to the Holy Spirit. Gain a sensitivity by the intimacy of your relationship, not by the prominence of your thoughts. And if you're not there, don't judge. If you can't do it in love, don't do it at all. So where are you in your relationships today? When you consider relationships in your life, are you the judge becoming harsh and condemning? Are you a hypocrite judging others while excusing yourself? Or are we becoming brothers and sisters caring for others so much that we first examine ourselves, that we're led by the Spirit and we ask these questions. Am I aware of my own need for God? And am I seeking to help and restore others? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's an invitation of wholeness and fullness in our stories. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray together. And in many ways, because 
the church has been known for judgment and hypocrisy throughout its history. This has to be a rally cry of more than just one individual saying that I'm going to do it. It needs to start with you, but know that you're in it together. That we as his church are making a commitment that my words are going to be full of the generosity and love of Jesus. I'm not absent in relationship and I'm not forcing my way upon people. I am discerning the way of Jesus in every moment. So would you pray with me this morning, Spirit of God, upon our hearts that have felt judgment for others, we pray, we ask for a sense of healing. We ask for your forgiveness. We repent. Our hearts are so quick to judge. And so, Father, we just ask that you would equip us with the ability to listen. Listen to others in the stories that they have and listen to you in the way that you provide. Let it not be my own initiative. Let it not be my own thoughts, my own prominent ways or my own experiences, but the burdens that I carry, the burdens that we hold, I pray that we would be free for them in Jesus' name, that would feel a lightness in conversation, a lightness in interaction, so that we are not operating in this emotional space but with a heart that is full of your loving kindness for others we repent for the ways that we have not seen your creation as you do where we have dehumanized others with our words I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to ask for forgiveness and begin to move towards right relationship Help us to name that which has held us back in our relationships. And if judgment has been that thing, I pray right now in Jesus' name that our journey of calling out that which is wrong would be led by you and that it would begin within us. Show us our blind spots. Show us the planks in our own eyes and lead us to you. Jesus, we need you. We have fallen short time and time again. And here in this place, may the declaration of our heart be not any longer. I will not dehumanize your creation. I will not say my words before listening to yours. I will not isolate myself from the injustices of the world, but I will lean in led by your understanding, not my own. May we boldly approach your throne and find healing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.